Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. All right, welcome everyone. Uh, it's uh, us again, Hugo Che and Ralph Velasco, your hosts for the Traveling Image Makers podcast. And today we are uh, conversing with our guest, uh, Christian Hoiberg, who is calling us from uh, Spain, I believe. Hi, Christian, how are you doing? Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's great to have you here. Uh, hi, Ralph, how are you doing? Hi there, I'm good. I'm well, thank you. Good. So, a couple of words about our guest today, Christian Hoiberg, uh, Norwegian landscape and nature photographer, and also the founder of the Capture Landscapes uh, website, a website where you can you can improve your photography through high-quality landscape uh, photography tutorials, uh, where some of the biggest names in the industry have contributed tutorials and sharing their knowledge. And without false modesty, I can say I'm one of them. <laughs> Maybe I'm not one of the biggest names in the industry, but I contributed to your website. So it's um, I, it's really a good one. We will talk about that. Uh, but uh, yeah, first, uh, aside from what I already mentioned, what um, what do you want your our audience to know about you? Who is Christian Hoiberg? How did you get started with photography? Well, you already covered the basics, but um, I've been into photography since I was a young kid. I guess I have a very similar story to a lot of other people where, you know, my mom had a camera and as a kid, I would always run and steal her camera, go around the yard, the house, look for flowers, trees, you know, some nature, and I'll take uh, pictures of whatever I could. And I guess until I was 14, 15, I would steal my mom's camera. I think it was an old Olympus compact camera. And at that time, I had a part-time job only like two hours a week through my school. Uh, this was at an electronic shop. And um, at the end of the semester, they gave me um, a gift certificate. And I chose to spend those money on my own camera. I bought an Olympus E400, a very good entry-level DSLR camera at least 10 years ago. And, uh, you know, I quickly gained interest for more advanced photography than just the compact camera, but I didn't learn how to use the manual settings. I just put everything on automatic. I run around, take the pictures, and, you know, I would get on my bike, go around the nature, go for hikes, take pictures of whatever I saw. And I entered a photo contest in the biggest newspaper in Norway. And actually, I was top 10 in that competition without actually knowing what I was doing. Uh, but after that, I kind of felt, you know, my photography wasn't going anywhere, so I got demotivated. I stopped taking pictures for, I think, almost two years. And then Instagram came. I started using Instagram. Uh, there was a friend who introduced me to it and was just like, you know, post pictures of your food, of whatever you're doing throughout the day. But I felt that was kind of stupid. I mean, I didn't really want to share what I ate for dinner, so I started to take the pictures, and I put my pictures there. And I found back my camera, and I, I bought a new camera, and I continued, and I started learning, you know, the fundamentals, aperture, ISO, shutter speed, 
white balance composition I started reading and, and studying more and more. And, you know, 10 years later, here I am today, I can't really think about much else than photography throughout the day. It's become, you know, the biggest passion. And uh, I think like just when I started learning the basic settings, the, the fundamentals, that's when I really started to get hooked because I knew, you know, there's so many possibilities, there's so much you can do. And, you know, this, yeah. And I end up in Spain right now just taking pictures and it's become my, my full-time job. So I'm really happy about that. Yeah. And you're originally from Norway, but you're now living in Spain. Uh, tell Correct. us about how, how that happened. Well, I actually lived in northern Spain for a year when I took my last year of university. I did an exchange program and I started here for, uh, well, it was supposed to be one semester, but I liked it so much that I extended for two semesters. And uh, I moved back to Norway again after that. And my girlfriend, she still lived here. She's uh, studied for five years in northern Spain and she has a job here now. So after a couple of years back in Norway, I decided to move back here to Spain. Uh, now we're going to stay here at least until the end of this year. Uh, so, you know, most people think Norway is this epic place for photographers, which it is, which it is. And um, Spain is, you know, less known for photography, for landscape photography at least. But I come from an era in Norway which is uh, less picturesque. You know, you have northern Norway with the epic mountains and northern lights and then you have the west of Norway with the beautiful fjords and then you have the east of Norway which is you know less picturesque there's more woods there's not fjords they're not epic mountains it's just you know it's beautiful but in a completely different way than what I normally enjoy pho uh, photographing so I decided to come back here to Spain to live with my girlfriend for some while and just explore this beautiful coast of Spain. Where are you in Spain exactly? What uh, what town? Uh, Santander. It's uh, very close. It's about 30 minutes from Bilbao, which is a little bit more well-known. Mm. And uh, you have all of this, the Basque coast. Uh, so you have basically the regions of Galicia, Asturias, Cantabria, and Vizcaya within three hours of driving. And along this area you have, you know, epic mountains and incredible uh, seascapes with cliffs, you know, completely unlike what I've ever seen anywhere else. Do you have what any... Are some... Sorry. Yeah, sorry, Ralph. Go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, what are some of your favorite locations in that area of, of Spain for taking your landscape photography? Well, it's hard to choose one favorite or some favorites. There's so much to see. I mean, you have... Uh, the mountains up in Picos de Europa, which are some really beautiful mountains with a lot of really scenic villages as well. And then you have the coast. Uh, I, I really enjoy the coast of Asturias. They have a lot of beaches with these um, huge rocks uh, in the ocean, huge cliffs. And, uh, you know, combine that with the dramatic weather, like there's just a lot of rain, a lot of clouds, and you can get some really interesting shots. So you didn't come over just for the weather. It's not uh, sunny it's, Spain. Uh, it's not always sunny. <laughs> no, absolutely not. You know, whenever I say that I'm moving to Spain, everyone is saying, oh, wow, you're going to enjoy the sun. You're lucky you were just hanging out at the beach every day. And, well, <laughs> that's not quite how it's up here. It's uh, more, uh, it's kind of British weather. So a lot of rain, uh, gray. 
it's still you know warm-ish, you know, 20 degrees Celsius plus, but it's not what you have in Barcelona or you know the south of Spain. It's not Costa del Sol or Costa Brava. <laughs> exactly. And <laughs> at least the food should be better than in Norway. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, yeah. <laughs> some of the best food in the country. <laughs> It's very good food, very good food. Good. Uh, you're also the host uh, of this Capture Landscapes website that I mentioned in my introduction. Uh, but first of all, let me congratulate you with you for creating such a great resource. Uh, in What, what is that? Just a year and a half, basically, I think, since you launched that. Uh, how yeah. much? Yeah. How much work do you dedicate to keeping that website up and finding great content to, to write about and keeping it running promoting it what's what's the scoop there well it you know it takes a lot of time it's become a very big part of my photography uh, so you know my photography is kind of now based around capture landscapes and i use that as uh, my main platform and uh, there's a lot of more work than just the articles that are shown i mean the articles are what i really enjoy doing i love teaching you know both amateurs and intermediate photographers whatever i know and also getting other photographers like yourself to contribute i mean your article for capture landscapes i think now is the third or fourth most read on the website wow. so it's done real real well so thank you for that oh nice and so yeah it, it takes you know it, it takes a lot of time and uh, but when you enjoy it it's not like you think about it's a work it's something I actually enjoy doing to sit down, to write, to find the content, to figure out what my readers you know, need to know or want to know. And I also learn a lot myself on this journey. I mean, when I'm going down to or going to write an article that is really in-depth, there's a lot of stuff that I'm not you know, 100% confident on from before that I'll learn as I go. And I go out, I study, I try the things that I write, you know, I make sure that everything I write is you know, accurate or, or something that I've done myself. So there's, uh, you know, it isn't, it's a fun and interesting experience to, to be on. I, I don't know who said it, but somebody said that the best way to learn something is to teach it. So collect yeah, information I, I, I to, in order to create a, like a mini tutorial and so on is a great way to, to learn yourself. Absolutely. Um, what, with the, with, number of websites uh, dedicated to photography that are around that are that contain tutorials about uh, landscape photography but not just landscape photography what do you think is necessary for a site like yours to to stand out from the others do you need to somehow find some unique selling propositions some differentiating points well you know there's the old saying for for blogging is that content is king and I believe that is still true today. You've got to deliver the best possible content. If you have quality articles that people actually learn from, I think you have a very good advantage. Uh, as you say, there's a lot of good websites out there, and many of these I read on a daily basis myself. But there's also a lot of websites that have you know, shorter articles. They're not really in-depth. You know, they don't describe step by step what you need to do so at the end of the article yeah you learn something new but you haven't actually learned how to do it because it's hard or it's easy for you know photographers to forget 
you know, for us, this is so obvious. It's so easy to talk about something, let's say, along with sports photography. It's a, a subject that I'm comfortable about and I know things about. But if you're just getting into it, you don't have that same uh, knowledge that I do. So I have to get down on your level to explain, you know, the absolute basics, the absolute fundamentals. And I think there's a lot of websites that forget to do this, uh, which makes the you know, the content harder to understand for a lot of people, which may, again then makes it not a successful website. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, let's talk about uh, long exposure photography. Uh, you, you know, you recently released an ebook uh, called The Ultimate Guide to Long Exposure Photography. Okay, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, yep. You know, when is there a definition? So, you know, when does an exposure become long as opposed to normal? Well, you know, that's a question that I'm actually talking about in the book as well, and something I've been discussing a lot with fellow photographers. As uh, if you have a 20 second exposure, it can look really different depending on what you're shooting. If you're shooting a waterfall and you use 20 seconds, the water will be completely blurred out and you have that you know, typical long exposure effect. But if you're taking a picture of the sky and there's no clouds, a 20 second exposure will look exactly the same as a you know, one second exposure or, or one hundredth of a second. So what we kind of concluded with is that a long exposure photography or a long exposure is when you no longer can take a sharp image handheld. So, you know, when you have a wide angle, say a 16 millimeter, it's nearly impossible to get a handheld shot of, or a sharp handheld shot when you're using a half a second exposure. And, and if you have a 70 to 200 millimeter at 70 millimeter, you can't really get a sharp image at you know, 1 50th of a second without a tripod or without using then a long exposure. Yeah, I can see where it depends on the subject that you're you're, that you're photographing. Um, are you shooting long exposures without filters? Uh, not really. I mean, it is possible, and uh, in many cases, it's you know completely fine. I, I prefer to use the filters, but if you use uh, narrow apertures such as f twenty two or f eighteen, and you shoot in uh, you know during the golden hour it's completely doable to get a somewhat long exposure and get that blurred effect in the water uh, or even in the sky if it's getting dark outside but i prefer to use the filters at least you know for early sunset or or late sun late sunrise or early sunset uh, because the quality of the image will be somewhat higher uh, if you use an aperture of f22 you can use a longer shutter speed, but it's also going to affect you know other aspects of the image, such as the depth of field and the overall sharpness. So you've got to keep that in mind. So you're kind of limited when you're not using the filters. I mean, when you're using filters, you can use a shutter speed of everything or anything from half a second to ten minutes or twenty minutes or however long you want. So there's a lot of benefits of using using the filters rather than not using them in my opinion what do you use round filters or square i use square filters uh, so i'm uh, i'm working with nasty filters so there's um, a drop-in system you know you you place a holder in front of your lens and then you place them 
squares, square filters inside this holder. So you can also stack, you know, you can use uh, two or three filters at the same time. And what kind of uh, benefits does that give you over round filters? I mean, it's probably so some people think that it's uh, more convenient to use a round filter because you can just screw it on when, on your lens without having to, to mount an adapter and so on. Well, yeah, I agree. Like a, a screw-on filter is more convenient for sure. It's uh, it you know takes less space. You can just keep it in your pocket. Uh, but once you want to use more than one filter, uh, you'll get a big netting with the with the square or with the round system. So when you use the square filters, you will not get as much big netting. And also, uh, if you use a graduated filter, which only darkens part of the image, say that you have a very bright sky, you can use the graduated filter to darken the sky. Uh, but not the landscape, and doing that with a screw-on filter, the round ones, it's not as good because then you have to align your camera after the graduated filter rather than adjusting the graduated filter you know, to your frame because uh, you know, in, in the square filter, you can't you know, move the graduated part up or down in, in, the square, or in the circular ones, I mean. Yeah, sure. What are some of the pitfalls uh, that, you know, I'm sorry, let me do that again. Um, so what are some of the pitfalls to avoid or common errors that uh, beginners in landscape photography are making, Christian? Well, I see a lot of people forget about compositions. And, you know, with long exposure photographers, for example, you can get some really cool images straight off the camera. You can... If you put on a 10-stop filter, you can use you know a thousand long, a thousand times longer shutter speed, and you can get some really cool effects with the sky. You know the clouds are dragged across the image, but then you forget about the composition. So you just have a cool-looking sky, but that's it. So a lot of people just you know put on the filter and then take the pictures without any more consideration. So I think it's important for them to still, you know, even though you're going to have that cool-looking sky, try to incorporate it into a good-looking composition, you know, still make a good image, and then you have that extra benefit of the sky. And, this, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, please. No, I was meaning to say, I think this ties in with what I wanted to, to ask next that was uh, prompted by reading an article on your website uh, where you say, the most important question to ask when, when taking a photo is why. So as you said, uh, why do a long exposure there? It should not just be because you want to take a long exposure, that the, the photo should have some some meaning beside uh, the fact that you get some, some kind of effect. It must be uh, must have a good composition, for, for instance. So mm, yeah. why would one want to do a long exposure as uh, opposed to a normal one? Well, I think there's several reasons. I mean, first of all, it's a very visual technique. Uh, as I said, you can, you know, you can have the clouds dragged across the sky. You can get that silky soft uh, water. But the thing is that, as we said, like a long exposure is anything from half a second to hours. So the effect can be really different. If you're at the ocean and you're photographing waves and you use the shutter speed of one second, the image will look completely different than if it is 20 seconds. Because in one second, you'll still have a lot of textures in the waves and get those 
say the lines dragged across or around the rocks. Well, if you use 20 seconds, the water is just going to be completely blurred out and you're not going to have any textures left. So I think that once you start using, say, using these filters and getting more into long exposure photography, you'll also become somewhat more creative because you have an extra, I mean, you have many extra opportunities. You've got to consider, can the image look better if I use a shutter speed of 20 seconds rather than half a second or a thousandth of a second? So you have so much possibilities. And even when, you know, say with a waterfall, if you shoot the waterfall at one five hundredth of a second, you get a kind of raw feel. You freeze the water completely. Well, if you shoot it at one second, it's going to be such a big difference and the image is you know, going to tell a completely different story. So you got to start considering this when you're actually out in the field shooting. What do I want to tell? What is it that I want to convey through my photography? Yeah, for me at least, I mean, I, I don't do long exposures much. I used to do a bit more, but I'm... I'm I lack the patience to do it, probably. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it's an extra creative possibility. Uh, it's uh, w- one of the reasons why I like digital photography is that it allows you to, with, without actually doing computer graphics, but actually to to capture scenes that are not normally visible to the to the human eye. So yeah, things like uh, long exposure, it's a different. Uh, view of the world and what we are used to do to get with our own eyes or what we are discussing with uh, Matt Payne in our previous episode about night sky photography uh, with the naked eye you cannot see all those colors in the in the Milky Way that that are actually there so uh, it's a different view of the world and I don't think that necessarily photography should stick to to what is quote-unquote real or to what is our perception of the real world so yeah, I'm absolutely. All, I'm all for it. I'm just, uh, I just like the patience to do it. <laughs> yeah, well, but as I said, you know, a long exposure can be, you know, it's so different. So, if you place the camera on a tripod and you take a picture of a half a second, you have a long exposure. It doesn't have to be the ones where you, you know, wait for ten minutes. Like I, I was out shooting sunset the other day here, close to where I live, and I. For the first time in a long time, I only used a 10-stop filter. I hadn't touched a 10-stop filter in probably a couple months before that, but I chose to, you know, only do long exposures. The clouds were moving really fast, and uh, the images came out so much different. You know, I took, I, t- I always take one comparison image, like one image without the filter, and one image with the filter, and it's just a, such a big difference. And it, yeah. Yeah, do you ever compose uh, uh, images with uh, taking shots like a long exposure and uh, a short, let's say, normal one where you you keep some sharp parts that you want to compose into the final image from the the short exposure? I don't yeah, know if it makes uh, sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I don't... Always do. I do it, you know, on a on a rare occasion. For example, as I said the other day when I was out shooting only long exposures, I did take that short exposure to first of all calculate how long exposure I would need, but also it was a little bit of wind, so the flowers in the foreground were moving pretty fast. So I took one shot at, at I think around one tenth of a second to freeze those flowers, and then I took another shot of 
three minutes and afterwards in Photoshop, I take those two images together. I use, you know, everything from the long exposure except the flowers. So the flowers are blended in from the short or the normal image. So they are also crisp and clear. Oh, well, very interesting. Yeah. yeah, I could see where it's very dependent on the subject that you're photographing. I mean, what the definition of a long exposure is, because if you're photographing a bullet going through an apple, you know, one one thousandth of a second could be considered a long exposure, right? That's very true. That is a good point. So I would like to talk for a while about a different topic. Um, uh, the reason why is uh, I was checking your Facebook page a few minutes before this call. And my attention was captured by a photo that is uh, looks like it was taken from the sky. Actually, it's pretty obvious that it was taken from the sky because it shows uh, a road across a forest in winter with uh, trees covered by snow. So did you use a drone or a quadcopter for that one? And are we going to see more aerial photographer from you in the future? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I did use um, a drone for that. I have the DJI Mavic Pro. Uh, I used to have the DJI Phantom 3 Professional, but when the Mavic came out, I you know ordered right away. The Mavic is basically, for those who don't know, it's a very small drone with a high-quality camera. Uh, of course, it's not DSLR-quality cameras, but it's still pretty good to be a drone. Uh, so in Norway, I used quite a lot of drones this winter. I've been really fascinated about them. Drone shots where you look straight down, as the one you're talking about with the road. And uh, when you have the trees, you know, everything looks so different from up there. And it's a really interesting, really interesting subject to, to, to get into. And the problem right now is that in Spain, it's really different laws than there is in Norway. So it seems to be much harder to get the licenses that I need to actually be allowed to use a drone. Uh, I've seen that they're super strict here and I've heard some horror stories. So... I think I want to have all my, you know, papers in order before I start flying around with the drone here again. Do you need a license to to fly it commercially or even for a hobby? Uh, in Spain, even for a hobby. If you want to oh. fly it, you need the licenses for specific areas. So if you want to go fly in, you know, one town, you need to figure out what the specific laws are in that town. And it's just super, super strict. Uh, while in Norway, you need a license if you're going to fly commercially. So in Norway, I have the permission to fly and, you know, photograph and sell the images or make videos. Uh, there's certain rules, you know, you can't fly over people, over, you know, gatherings of people, over towns. There's, you know, there's some stricter parts. But if you fly, you know, in the woods or in nature, it's most of the time fine. Oh, yeah, I see. A bit like Italy. I mean, here we have uh, the same the same rules. I mean, you need a license uh, if you fly commercially, if you sell your photos or do uh, shoot weddings from the sky. Yeah. But if you're shooting in the in the open in nature, we don't you don't have any people nearby, and it's for hobby. You don't need a license or a permit or anything. Yeah. Let me ask you. Let me ask you about that. Um, if you're shooting, you know let's say just b-roll for your own use you're not actually selling but it's more move you know it's more uh video do you know is that considered commercial but you're using it 
I don't know, for a sizzle reel for your company or something? Well, it depends. I, I'm not sure. In Spain, I think that even if you just upload it onto YouTube or Instagram, it is going to be considered commercial. Uh, while in Norway, I think there's more of a gray zone, but as soon as there's, you know, as soon as the purpose of flying the drone is related to making money, then you, ha you have to have the license. If you're just going to fly without using the camera and just going to fly for fun, then you do not need a license. Wow. Do you have the DJI Mavic Pro, Ugo? Is that, is that oh, yes, yes. That's the same yeah. I have. Uh, I'm really just, thinking about getting one. I, I, uh, ever since our conversation we had on the show a couple episodes ago i'm really <laughs> i want to get one yeah just uh, just to, to remind our listeners if they didn't check if they did catch that episode it was episode 73 we discussed a bit about uh, drone photography uh so people can find it at ttim.photo forward slash 73 and that and that does both video and uh, stills right that the dji mavic pro yeah, it does. And uh, what I like about the Mavic Pro compared to my old Phantom 3 is that you also can shoot verticals. So I've been getting into doing more drone panoramas lately, which is kind of interesting. And, you know, you can get a completely new, a new view of the world. And I heard you can actually shoot long exposures with the... You the, can. I mean, a yes, few seconds. I, I mean, not, not minutes, but a few seconds should be yeah. reasonably stable. I think it's uh, up, I might be wrong, but I think it's up to 10 seconds you can shoot with the drone. Uh, though I th it's going to be hard to get a sharp shot at 10 seconds. I think if you're looking at two to three seconds, the gimbal should do a good enough job to get a somewhat sharp image if there's no wind. But you know, as soon as there's some wind, uh, you've got to use a quicker exposure. Yeah, sure. Something that I need to try, maybe fly on top of a waterfall and do a few like five second exposure if there's no All way right. it should come out great that would be amazing <laughs> boys with toys <laughs> yeah it's fun and with the dji mavic it's so convenient since it's that small you know you don't have to have a own backpack for it you can just put in your camera bag and go hiking it weighs you know almost nothing that's why I want to see one. I, I, I want, I'd like to see one in person. I need to go to a camera store or something because I'd like to see how small they do actually break down. Because to me, you know, being on the road as much as I am, that's really important. Is you know, how much more am I going to need to to carry? Yeah. Yeah, that, that was the reason I went for the DJI Mavic. I looked at the Phantom Four Pro when I was uh, upgrading, uh, but the thing is that that's still a big drone, so you need an, an extra backpack. Well, the Mavic, I can actually fit into the pocket of my jacket, wow. which is you know, perfect. <laughs> That's cool. So what is your favorite destination of all the, the places you've been to for, for landscape photography? That's really hard to answer. There's so many beautiful places. You know, I'm uh, kind of easy to impress. So if there's some beautiful mountains, some waterfalls, rivers, or some seascapes, I'm pretty much sold. But, I mean, Iceland is uh, for sure a very, very beautiful place. I've been there, you know, many times. I have family up there, so I have been there a lot as a kid as well. So that place has a, you know, special meaning to me. Uh, besides that, I think 
northern Norway, the Lofoten Islands. It, it's so unique with the rugged mountains right next to the ocean. The, it's only like 700 meter high peaks, but they go straight up the ocean and they look just incredible. And uh, then you have northern Spain, like northern Spain I keep coming back to. So again, it's hard to choose. There's so many, I want to say every place I've ever been to, but it's, you know, I can't really do that. And of the places that you have not been to, let's say uh, money was no concern and you could leave tomorrow, where would you go to? Uh, if money was no concern, I guess I would head to New Zealand and Australia for a while. Uh, that's, you know, the most expensive from where I'm right now. And uh, there's a lot of exciting places in that region. So I would really like to explore that. Antarctica would probably be even more expensive, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that area. <laughs> exactly. Well, throw that in if money's no concern, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So do you have anything coming up? Any uh, new ebooks or workshops that you're working on right now? Well, I am finishing up an ebook right now. Uh, it's going to it's a comprehensive guide to landscape photography. It'll be a you know very detailed introduction for beginner photographers covering everything you need to know from basic settings to some more slightly advanced techniques and uh, I'll I'll post a big portion of it for free a couple of weeks, I guess. You can come and check that out. And I have a couple of workshops coming up uh, later this year. I'm going to Greenland and back to Iceland and several trips to the Lofoten Islands in northern Norway. All very cold places. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> the call of the north is strong with you. Yeah. Well, it's something I like, you know, I really enjoy photographing places with harsh weather. You know, I love coming to the beach in Spain and just relaxing in, you know, 30, 40 degrees Celsius and perfect sunny weather. But I still, you know, keep coming back to winter and Iceland, northern Norway, these more rugged, harsh places. So, where can people find more about you and your workshops, your ebooks? Uh, where can they go to find you online? Well, you can visit capturelandscape.com for my ebooks and all the articles. And my website is choiberg.com. That's where you can find my portfolio, some information about uh, future workshops, and contact me. And then you have uh, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Instagram is underscore chphoto. And Facebook is Christian Hobby Photography. Now, I'm more active on Instagram, so if you want to mm -hmm. see you know, more daily updates, be sure to check that out rather than Facebook. We'll put links to everything in the, in the show notes. And um, yeah, anything else you would like to add before we uh, say goodbye? No, just happy shooting. Happy shooting to you, and it's, uh, <laughs> it's been great to have you here. Ralph, any closing words from you? Uh, not much. It's been a great conversation, Christian. Appreciate your coming on the show and uh, look forward to the ebook. I, I, I'd be interested in that myself. It's been a while since I've spent much time doing any landscape photography. I mostly do, uh, you know, urban, I guess, street shooting, things like that. But uh, the landscape uh, it's, it's wonderful and it sounds like you're going to some amazing places. 
But uh, if people want to look for me, what I've got going on online, uh, just go to photoenrichment.com or look for me at Photo Enrichment or at Ralph Velasco on all the social media platforms. How's our uh, Facebook contest going? Did you want to talk about that? Oh, Ugo? yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for bringing that up. Uh, we have this Facebook contest on our uh, Facebook group, uh, The Traveling Image Makers Corner. And we are going to be running this contest for the whole month of June. We already have some great entries there. So basically the idea is that you can submit one of your best travel photos. And Christian, you're welcome to <laughs> participate as well. I'm sure your photo would be highly regarded. But we, we don't have any prizes. Uh, we don't have any sponsors here so far. So we're, we cannot afford to give away any prizes. But what we are going to do, we are going to select one or two photos from the set and invite their uh, authors, the photographers, on the show to talk about their photo or about what interests them, about themselves, their photography, and so on, and, uh, in one of the upcoming episodes. So the, um, the contest, as I said, will run until the end of June, so you still have about, uh, yeah, a bit more than, uh, a bit less than 20 days. There's plenty of time. And the group is at uh, facebook.com slash groups slash Team Corner. That's T-I-M Corner. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes as well to that, uh, as well as to this episode, which should be number, what's that, Ralph? I forgot, 80 or 81? I think it's 80, yeah. That's going to be episode 80, so this episode will be at ttim.photo forward slash 80 with all the links that we mentioned during, uh, uh, during this half an hour. Correction, this is actually episode 81 that you can find at ttim.photo forward slash 81. As for me, you can find everything about me at ucphoto.me. Uh, that's my website and has links to everything else that I do online. So, Chris uh, or Christian, thanks again for being with us today. Uh, it's been really, really interesting. Maybe I should uh, start doing long exposures again. Uh, absolutely <laughs> it's been great talking to you and uh, all the best for your uh, next endeavors and ebooks and workshops and travels thank you yeah, thank you so much for having me on and now let's go out and shoot absolutely <laughs> thanks guys <laughs>